What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Available wherever you get podcasts. We've got some Blazers big man news. Some good, some bad. We'll start with that. For a second, we'll talk all about Pau Gasol and whether he will be available, more accurately, when he'll be available. Second segment, talk a little bit about Hassan Whiteside, who's dealing with an injury of his own. And the newest blazer, Moses Brown. In the third segment, we've got a little bit of audio from the new national show here on the Locked On Podcast Network, John Hollinger, former Portland media man himself, talking about the Trailblazers. Play some of that and discuss what John said on his brand new podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, Hollinger and Duncan. All right, but let's start talking Pau Gasol. Uh, we've we hear the good people here at Lockdown Blazers have been speculating that he would not be available for opening night, and he has confirmed he will not be available for opening night. And and from what he told media members at practice on Saturday, it sounds like it could be a little while before we see Pau Gasol make his Blazers debut. I want to just go ahead and play you that audio because I think uh, for the most part, if you hear it, you can kind of hear the sense of what the timeline might be like for the 39-year-old center in uh, season 19, approaching season 19, I guess. So here's Pal from Saturday's media session. But, uh, yeah, now I was just, just keeping an eye on uh, on the plays, on everything that was done on the floor. Just try to be as engaged as I can, uh, you know, more mentally than physically at this point, but, but still, you know, so when the physical kind of ramps up, uh, the transi- transition is smoother, basically. So that's uh, that's kind of the plan. How are you feeling? What's the update? I mean, where where are you at, kind of in the process? Better. Uh, so uh, so it's just you know there's a part there's the last part of the rehab where when you ramp up the load, um, you know you got to see how your whole ankle kind of reacts, uh, and it, it, it takes a little time to adjust to it. Uh, so if you do too much uh, because you get you're feeling too good and you're too excited, then uh, you know it's counterproductive and you come back fire. Uh, that's a little bit what, a little bit what what uh, I think what happened early on into training camp that it was looking really good and we were uh, very uh, I guess um, excited about it and and now we just gotta take it a little slower. But um, but all looks all looks good. It's all all is it within the time frame that we. We were all expecting. Um, it just looked a lot, you know, really good early. So, um, but it just it needs it needs a little bit uh, to kind of follow its own time as well. It's safe to say you will not be ready for opening night. I think it's a very safe statement. And at this point, you're just sort of winging it, depending on how your body feels. You'll come back when you're ready. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, there's gonna, there's, we're going to determine a plan, kind of try to stick to it, uh, um, kind of just. Just be um, and do what we need to do. Keep an eye on it every on a daily basis, but at the same time, um, understand that it's you know that it's a little bit of a process and it's going to take not a little longer than what we thought. It's just not going to be as shorter as quicker as as we thought we could we could do it uh, when we you know before training camp. Do you think you can miss a couple weeks or a month, or do you literally have no idea? Uh, you know, I try not to think about how much time I'm going to miss and not going to be able to play with the team early on. Uh, I'm trying to uh, make sure that when I do get back, I'm there for good. And, uh, and the ankle and the foot does uh, do not not give me any issues as far as continuity and being available and being able to build on 
once I step on the floor with the team or competing against other teams. So there you have it from Powell. Uh, to me, that sounds like a guy who's going to miss several weeks. Uh, obviously, he was non-committal kind of in, in a timeline, but when he says, I try not to think about how much I'll miss and I, I won't be with the team early in the season, that sounds like a guy who's thinking more towards Christmas than Thanksgiving. Obviously, we don't know, but I think the update is, is that for the foreseeable future, you should pretend that Pau Gasol is not on the roster. He also kind of revealed that maybe he had a setback early in, um, early in training camp. I think setback might be the wrong word. Just judging from what he said only, uh, it's it sounds like he was ramping it up and getting ready to go, and the foot ankle was giving him uh, giving him some problems. Uh, the Blazers, like staff members, Neil Olshay specifically, was much more consistently optimistic uh, in his media sessions early in the season that, that Powell would play, or early in preseason, in the offseason, that Powell would play opening night. Powell has always temper those expectations. He's always said, you know, I just had foot surgery in May and it's it's a quick turnaround and I haven't really done any basketball things. And he still really hasn't done any basketball things. And I, and I think hearing this, hearing this interview where he's very honest about his physical situation, I think it gives you an insight into kind of where uh, where he is. He's, he's not playing full five-on-five contact. He's not running around. He's watching and learning and kind of just doing the rehab non-contact stuff that he can to get his foot back where he wants it to be. But for the foreseeable future, there is going to be no Pau Gasol. It's going to take at least a little while before we see Pau Gasol. Don't think we see him in October. We'll start Pau Watch November 1st here on Lockdown Blazers, or if we ever get an update. But I'd say... Just judging from that audio, sounds like he'll be out uh, for perhaps, you know, a, a month, several weeks. It sounded like several weeks, not several days, just judging by his his tone there. Which means that Scalabissier is going to be part of the lineup. If if Terry Stotts decides to go 10 deep, and I believe he will, that means opening night, Scalabissier is in the rotation. Something I didn't see coming. It also might mean that we see some wonky small ball lineups with Perhaps not against uh, Denver because they don't really go small, but maybe some matchups down the road if you're looking ahead in the Blazers' you know, first 15 games or so where Anthony Tolliver plays a little bit of center. We might see some mix-and-match mix stuff where uh, Zach Collins plays, starts at power forward but also gets some minutes at backup center. It's going to be a challenge. The Blazers don't have a ton of depth on the front court. And I think that has always – the trades they made this summer and the moves they made this summer – kind of sacrificed some of their forwards and, and, and certainly some of their centers. You get rid of Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless and Evan Turner, all who, of whom played a little bit of power forward in their stint. Certainly uh, Al Farouk Aminu played basically exclusively power forward. You lose Myers Leonard. You just, you're just losing depth up front. And Pau Gasol's injury means that depth is going to be challenged. You're starting your two best centers. The Blazers are starting their two best centers. Don't get it twisted. Hassan Whiteside and Zach Collins, even if Collins plays a ton of minutes at power forward this year, 90% of his minutes might come at power forward, but he's still their second best. It's not their best center, which means Scal's really going to be tested. It means Anthony Tolliver, who was going to be part of the rotation anyways, is going to get a ton of minutes. He's going to see his minutes ramp up. It might mean Blazers go small for times with, with either Mario Hazonia or Rodney Hood playing the four. I think we see a lot of Hazonia at the four with this, um, with this injury news. It'll be an interesting test. It also gives some insight into why the Blazers made the move they did. 
Coming out of training camp, they added Moses Brown, a young center, a, a project, but a young center. Because if there are holes on this roster, it's in the front court. So that's what I want to talk about in the in segment number two. I want to talk about the addition of Brown to a two-way contract and what that means. And also, Hassan Whiteside gave us an injury update. It's a little more positive than Pagasol. A rosy injury update from Hassan. So stick with me. That's what we're going to talk about in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to remind you guys about a couple new shows that launched on the network. First up is Rejecting the Screen. It's twice a week. Tuesday, a look around the league. And Thursday, a long-form interview. A fun one. Definitely check out. And the other one is Hollinger and Duncan. It's once a week with uh, John Hollinger, former Memphis front office guy for seven years, and Nate Duncan, uh, analytic podcast extraordinaire. Those shows should be both a lot of fun, so check them out. So we talked about Gasol in the first segment. We're staying with big men. But let's start with some more rosy injury news. As opposed to Gasol, who sounds like he could be out several weeks with that still rehabbing his foot from foot surgery he went... He had in May, Hassan Whiteside has been dealing with an ankle injury and twisted his, sprained his ankle yet again against the Utah Jazz and the Blazers' penultimate summer league game. Uh, Hassan Whiteside was going up for a rebound, came down on, the, on an ankle that he had already sprained in training camp, immediately left the game. He wasn't going to play in the final preseason game anyways, but the Blazers held him out. And just, you know, re-aggravating an ankle that had kept him out almost 10 days. I think it was eight days he missed with the ankle injury where he wasn't really able to do stuff. Was a concern. But he says, he told media members that he'll be back. Uh, Joe Freeman of the Oregonian reported that Whiteside said it's good and not as bad as last time. And Whiteside added that he expects to play and intends to play Tuesday against the Denver Nuggets. That's good news. I think there was some concern just because it was the same injury, a re-injury of something that had bothered him before, that uh, this could be a lingering issue. And it, it still might be. We don't really know. You know, guys um, play through stuff all the time, and media members and fans don't know the extent of it. But if he's going to play, you got to treat him like he's 100% until he proves that he's not. So that's some good news. Coming out of Saturday's media session, not all bad with Pau Gasol missing time, but Hassan Whiteside, who's so key to what the Blazers are going to do this year. They're already thin up front. Even if you're skeptical of what Whiteside might bring if you're if you're someone who who's not super excited about him. There's not a, a lot of better options in the roster. And he's he they need him and they need him to play a ton if they are going to get where they need to go. So his availability is key. Sticking with big man news, the Blazers also added a second two-way contract to the roster. They're gonna go into the into training camp with 14 guys in the regular season roster, but both two-way spots filled after signing 20-year-old center Moses Brown to a two-way contract. Actually, what they did was they uh, converted his training camp deal, Exhibit 10 contract, to a two-way deal. But that's a little bit in the weeds. You guys don't need to know all those details. What you need to know is he's on a two-way deal. Here's the way two-way deals work. Think of Moses Brown like a G League player. He's not an NBA player. He's a dude who's going to spend most of the time playing for a G League team where the Blazers assign him, and then he's allowed to spend 45 days with the big club. Now, the NBA changed the rule, so travel days when Brown's with the, with the Trailblazers won't count against his time with the team. It's only on practice days and game days, those like basically working days. Those, um, those will count. So the Blazers can be maybe a little more generous with when he's around the team because if they have some off days and travel days, he can spend time uh, you know, soaking up knowledge from NBA-type players and coaches as long as there's no schedule, practice, or game. But 40, it's, it's 45 days during the season. After he hits the 45-day mark, 
He either can't be with the team or they got to convert him to a full-time contract. And also when the G League playoff, uh, G League season ends, the playoffs end, he can just be with the team. However, two-way players cannot play in the playoffs. So if he, if, if he's useful, the Blazers will have to convert him and use their 15th roster spot. Brown's big, if nothing else. He's 7-1. He's listed at 245. That might be a little generous. He's skinny at 7-1. Uh, played one season at UCLA. Averaged 9.7 points, 8.3 rebounds. Blocked just shy of two shots a game in 32 games. Um, you know, he was a highly recruited kid coming out of uh, high school in New York. Some McDonald's All-American and all those type of things. And uh, in honor of not reading box uh, preseason box scores, I'm not going to read you his preseason stats. I thought he looked okay. Uh, I, I thought he looked of all the pre, of all the training camp guys. Uh, neither two guards, Troy Coppin or London Prontis, to me just screamed NBA type players. Um, he was the closest, the closest thing they had to uh, to an NBA type player, just because of his size. He's intriguing. His youth, he's intriguing, uh, and he was pretty good just rolling to the rim, doing the things that big men do. Uh, I didn't know if the Blazers would would use their second two way spot, but I'm not surprised that they they did it on a guy that they they signed as early as anyone. This is what the Blazers do. If you're sort of tracking what they do and try to how they think, the guy they sign the guys they sign first and give money to are the people they are committed to. Brown was the first training camp contract announced. He had a, he signed an exhibit 10 deal, a little bit different than just a training camp invite. Just all these little indications that he was the of the training camp guys, he was the one that the Blazers preferred. I don't see him making an impact or really playing this season, but it allows the Blazers to keep him on the books. He becomes a restricted free agent next year, so if they like him, they can. Uh, they have the right to to match offers that he might get on the open market. They can bring him in to practice a bunch and develop and put them in their sort of player development machine. They can also, if they need help on the front line because they're already looking thin, Yusuf Nurkic injured, as I mentioned in the first segment, Pau Gasol, uncertainty when he might return. Hassan Whiteside dealing with his ankle injury. Like it, the, the front court injuries are, are piling up. So I think there's an outside chance that Moses Brown could be called up and be on the active roster some nights just because the Blazers need size. They, he's seven foot one. He'll always be seven foot one. Every minute he's in the game, he'll be seven one. And I think that's useful for a team like the Blazers that's dealing with sort of a, a thin front court as it is. Other than that, I don't see him being. Um, him and Jalen Horde, the Blazers' other two-way guy, I don't see them being big contributors. It is curious, though, uh, the Blazers, they really haven't been a team that's been aggressive on two-way deals, but maybe they're warming up to how it works a little bit more. Um, they don't have their own G League affiliate, so they have to send Brown and they have to send Horde to places where they kind of work out a deal with a team. Hey, can you play our guy a bunch? Uh, that way, when... They send their front office people down there to you know, watch him play and hang out, you know, talk to him, check on him and stuff. He's actually getting real minutes. And when they want tape, they don't have a tape of Moses Brown playing six minutes off the bench in a G League game. He'll get 20 minutes. He'll get a bunch of run, uh, those type of promises. So they kind of have to work out a spot with another G League team. This is a no-risk signing for a guy that was pegged as maybe a late second-round pick. Um if he doesn't work out for the Blazers, you know, they didn't pay him a ton of money. G League, or uh, Two-way contracts don't count against the cap. If he does work out, they can convert him basically to a, to a cheap deal and bring him along. It's no risk. 
it's good for Moses Brown to be part of an NBA system vaguely, although he's not getting paid a ton of money. And it's good for the Blazers to have a guy that they like in their system to some extent. No risk. I like it. All right. In the third segment, I want to play you a little audio from the Hollinger and Duncan show where John Hollinger, former executive of the Memphis Grizzlies, discusses the Blazers. Uh, He's not super high on this team. So um, if you think I'm negative, just wait till you hear this audio. All right. Still locked on Blazers. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Talked to Blazer big man in the first two segments. Pau Gasol's injury. Hassan Whiteside says he's going to be back. And Moses Brown is part of the plan. Or at least part of the team for a little bit. Now I want to play you guys some audio from uh, a new show on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Hollinger and Duncan. Uh, John Hollinger, Memphis Grizzlies executive for the last seven years and a longtime writer at ESPN. The creator, the creator of player efficiency rating. King of the nerds, John Hollinger. But a guy who's uh, covered the NBA and worked in the NBA for a long time, who Hollinger now works for The Athletic, where he's been writing division previews, where he goes team by team and predicts, he kind of runs through the team's roster, what he thinks about the team's roster, and predicts where teams will finish. He, he basically uh, has mapped out all 30 teams in their record and, and where they'll finish. He's not super high on the Blazers, guys. He has them at 41 and 41 and finishing 10th in the West. And for those of you scoring at home, 10th in the West is out of the playoffs. He doesn't like this roster. And in the latest Hollinger and Dunked On podcast, he kind of laid out his reasons why. So I want to play the audio from that podcast to hear him break it down. And then I'll discuss a little bit about his take and how mine might differ from his a little bit. I just don't see how they're going to be even. You talk about Golden State's defense. I mean, at least Golden State, the defense gets weak when you get into the backups. I mean, Portland, right at the start of the game, you're, you're starting Lillard, CJ, and Rodney Hood on the perimeter with Zach Collins and, and Hassan Whiteside. I mean, if you if you have like a super motivated version of Hassan, I can see how that sort of works. But yeah. I just, by the second week of the season, you know, he's he's going to be reverting back to some of the things he did in Miami. And I, th- I think that's going to be a real ish- issue there. Their early season schedule is very difficult. They are $12 million into the luxury tax. Right now they have the green light to spend, it seems like. But what happens if they're 13 and 19, 32 games into the season, and they're looking at a, at a pretty large luxury tax bill? They have the highest payroll in the league right now. Is the owner going to cut the cord at that point and make them go the opposite direction and say, you know, you have yeah. to trade Kent Bazemore or something just to get us under the tax line? I don't even know if these are hot takes from John Hollinger, but I know they're takes that you do not hear in the Portland market. People here are much more excited about the Blazers than John is. And I think that's, it's good to have a contrarian view. It's good to have, uh, hear someone who thinks differently and hear him lay out his reasons why. I think his concerns about the Blazers' defense are fairly warranted. But here's what I would say to push back against that. Last year, they were third in league in overall offensive rating and 16th in defense. When I look at this roster, do I think that they can be a top five offense and a below average defense, slightly below average defense? Yes. Yes, I do. I think having two bigs on the court with Collins and Whiteside to start the game will help that starting lineup defense a little bit. Um, I think they have some size on on the second unit that, you know, these aren't lockdown defenders with Bazemore and, and Hazonia and uh, 
Anthony Tolliver, but they have enough size on the second unit to not get totally beat up. They're bigger than they are on the wings uh, with the bench group than they are on the starting group. I think there's reason to think the Blazers can finish in that 15 to 18 range defensively. So if they're a top five offense again, and they're a slightly below average defense, I still think they're pushing towards 50 wins, just like they did last year when they won 53 games. I know that the nerds will tell me that they probably overachieved relative to their point differential. Right on, nerds. You're probably right. But say the Blazers lose four more games than they did last year. They finished with 49 wins. I think with this group, that's pretty reasonable. Hollinger has, those are, his, his concerns are legit. I'm not poo-pooing them altogether. I'm just saying when I look at the exact same reasoning, I don't see this team being like a bottom five defense in the league. Now, if they are a bottom five defense in the league, they're going to have problems. And I haven't spent a ton of time around Hassan Whiteside, so maybe Hollinger with just being around the league has better understanding of what he might bring. But the Blazers are banking on contract year Whiteside with Damian Lillard, uh, recently voted the best leader in the NBA in his ear all the time, that he will take a step forward and not revert back to those things that got him in trouble in Miami after just two weeks. The Blazers are banking on getting the best version of Hassan Whiteside. Now, the second thing that Hollinger brings up is the ownership wild card. And frankly, we don't know what Jody Allen is willing to spend or willing to do if, if, if they have an underachieving team. She Here's what we do know about Jody Allen, is that last year when the Blazers were a solid playoff team but not an excellent one, she signed off on bringing in Ennis Cantor, even though it would cost them about four, almost $5 million in luxury taxes. We know that she signed off on adding Rodney Hood to the roster, although it would make the team slightly more expensive. And we know that when they got into the playoffs, that's when she kind of showed up and was there in person and was excited and spoke to the team after they won Game 7 in Denver. So, while she's not Paul Allen, she's not going to be at 36 home games and a handful of road games all season long, sitting in the front row and, and, and being super involved as a fan. She, The data points we do have on Jody Allen suggest that she's willing to spend money if the team is good. Now, what Hollinger brings up is if the team is bad, what does that mean? That's a wild card we just don't know. It's something to consider, keep in the back of your mind. But until the Blazers are 13 and 19, I'm not sitting here waiting for Jody Allen to pull the plug because everything we know about her, and obviously everything Neil has told us, but he's not going to say, Neil's not going to say she's a crappy owner. Just, uh, it's, you don't do that to your boss publicly. He's He's been super positive about her, uh, both privately and publicly, about how much she she's love being involved in the team and things like that. But so everything we've heard and all the sort of data points suggest that she's, she is willing to spend money for a quality product. So maybe the Blazers are struggling. She's willing to spend a, you know, dig, dig slightly deeper into the luxury tax to make this team better. But I think Hollinger brings up at least something to keep in the back of your mind to be concerned about. Those are two interesting points. Check out his podcast. Hollinger and Dunkton just launched on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's once a week with John Hollinger and Nate Duncan going deep on the NBA. Also, tell your friends to check out Lockdown Blazers. Bringing you a little bit of everything today. Paul, Paul Gasol audio, updates from other Blazer big men, and 
audio from people hating on the Blazers on the internet. It's the type of versatility we have here. You can find this podcast, or tell your friends to find this podcast, wherever they already subscribe to podcasts. That's on Google, Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. Blazers season starts on Wednesday night. Real games this week, which means even more podcasts coming your way. Appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon.